gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello humans, welcome to The Hungry Gamers, episode 338. I'm your host, Jono Peck. You can find me everywhere at Jono himself. And joining me, Mr. Matt Tilby at It's Tilby for the second, well, third consecutive week on The Hungry Gamers. How you doing, Tilby? I am doing very well. We're back in the saddle and uh, covering for podcast papa, Mr. Brendan White, who's uh, gallivanting around Europe the last time I heard. So I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself, Brendan, and uh, sipping on mm. a, what, a Negroni or something in Italy. I don't know where he is at this point in time, so <laughs> I'm sure he'll, he'll be having a good time. Yeah, he's becoming a regular uh, visitor to the European part of the world so i hope he's got those frequent flyer miles stacking up and can do something fun with them but yes it's uh hoping that it doesn't feel a little bit like the office after steve carell left because brendan is very much (laughs) (laughs) the hungry gamers and uh we're hungry too so stick with us and i'm sure that uh you know we'll try to bring you the same kind of food related puns and uh, love for our sexy, sexy legends over at Audio Technica for the best in all audio-based goods and products. Uh, but Tilby, we're in the chair. We're the salt and pepper Jesus this week, and we're going to talk about the big-time news of the week, starting with some really big games that dropped this week. They have indeed. And uh, of course, I, I should point out for everyone listening, we are recording on the Friday night, October the 20th, the day of the release of Spider-Man 2 and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. At this point in time, we have barely scratched the surface of either of these games. I think I've played about two hours of Spider-Man. You're still downloading at the time of recording. Mm. It's probably why our, yes. internet, our uh, internet connections are a little spotty. Uh, as I see Jono flicker across the screen. But yeah, look, um, we will probably have a more informed opinion on both games next week. But as far as we can tell, the, the news reports coming out are both are pretty good. They are. I think Metacritic is giving us, I think Spider-Man's dropped down to 90 now, which is still very, very impressive. Well, 91, I should say. And it's the first, I guess, full-fledged PS5 uh, Spider-Man game, I believe Miles Morales. Does Miles Morales run on the PS4? I think it, does. Uh, it did, yeah. When I got it in yeah. 2020, it was on the PS4, but I think this is the first fully like PlayStation 5 only mm. um, Marvel Spider-Man game, yep. so yeah. yeah. And then over uh, on the Nintendo land, we have Super Mario Brothers Wonder sitting on a 93. So really happy to see both of those games received well, gave people a bit of a conundrum about which one to pick up if, if you couldn't maybe afford to get both at once but uh have you are you planning to play both during this week i'm gonna try my best i mean i don't know how suckered in i'm gonna get with uh with spider-man 2 but yeah look i saw nothing but good things about mario wonder very excited to jump back in um to i guess the more 2d like traditional style of mario yeah. um I was always a big fan of the 3D World games and, and obviously Odyssey came out and it was really good when the Switch launched. So yeah, it should be good. I'm very excited. 
yeah, it's it's cool to see them going with the weirdness that we got in Odyssey and applying that yeah. to the the 2D format because, you know, the the new Super Mario Brothers and these games feel kind of like just like the modern take on the old school platformers, which is fine, but to see them pushing it into that that weird factor is uh yeah, it's um going to make for some some fun moments, I think. Yeah, very much uh, looking forward to both. The week that was so what have we actually been playing? Uh, I might go first. I think last time I was on here three or four weeks ago, I mentioned Starfield, very much deep in uh, the depths of the galaxy, flying around with my robots and my crew peoples. But uh, that, that journey's come to an end as of last night. I finished the last of the faction quest lines and you know, got married to my second companion after the first marriage didn't work out so well. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I've, I went through my quest log and I'm like, yeah, I've done everything that I want to do in this game. And I could keep wandering around looking for more stuff to do. But I think at 110 hours, I've probably got my money's worth. Wouldn't you say? Lordy, lordy, that is, uh, that's a lot of, a lot of time spent floating around and, going through galaxies and whatnot. But yeah, from all accounts that I've heard, well, yeah, quick travel. I feel like you're going to be doing that quite a bit considering how expansive that game is. But yeah, heard nothing but good things from people. I've, I think people definitely just wanted to to bash the game a little bit given it is more of a, like a more of the same, I guess, from a Bethesda point of view. But I think people mm-hmm. always love that sort of expansive space travel sort of take on things. And, and Starfield did it at least from what I've seen, and I've only played maybe a couple of hours of it myself, but they seem to do it quite well. So, yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, it's it's the, the space component's obviously like the flavor of it, but for me personally, it was just like sweet, another Bethesda open world game. If it was Fallout and it was stuck on Earth, I would have been probably just as happy. It's nice that we get something kind of new and uh, different from Bethesda Game Studios, and um, I really enjoyed my time, but yeah, just to have a game that I could sink my teeth into could just, you know, just go out and explore and get lost and deep dive through hundreds of quests over, what is it, like six or seven weeks since it came out? Yeah, I just had a really good time. It's my game of the year for that reason. I'm expecting it to get knocked off probably by Spider-Man 2, but um, yeah. I would definitely recommend it to anyone that, I mean, you, you probably know by now if you're a gamer whether this is for you and it's not for everyone, but it's on Game Pass, so it's not. It's a pretty low barrier to entry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think thinking about it now, like we're going to be so, we're going to have headaches just trying to think about what our games of the year are at the end of this year because mm. obviously Spider-Man and Mario Wonder coming in to be real contenders, Um for what is already a stack list, like Starfield, you've got Zelda, you've got Baldur's Gate, Gate 3. Like, it's just going to be so tough to nail down something. Even even RE4, Resident Evil 4, coming in the discussion there. Yeah, Dead Space is pretty high on yeah. my list. Like, it's probably my second at this point. I'm not including, you know, we've got Alan Wake 2 still to come. A lot of people are still playing Diablo 4. So, yeah, it's it's been a big year with something for everyone like what depending on what kind of 
genre you're into, I feel like there's something that you probably got obsessed with this year. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what are you obsessed with at the moment, Tilby? I'm a sucker for football. If you know me at all in any way, shape or form, I do love the round ball game. Um, and of course, EA Sports FC 24 came out a couple of weeks back. Like it's, it's probably like the one game that I would probably buy, like actually buy with my hard-earned money every year without fail, regardless of the quality yeah. of game. Um, to clarify, this is this is FIFA rebrand. Yes, this is the this is the the FIFA with a new like coat of paint on it. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, the license for EA Sports FIFA uh, ran out last year. And apparently FIFA wanted like a hundred, I've heard a hundred million, but I could be completely yeah. just making that one up completely. EA Sports were like, no, sorry, we're not going to do that. And then they continued to make um, football games. Apparently mm. FIFA are trying to get to uh, 2K to try and make a game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it's it's the same sort of experience that you'd be getting pretty much year in, year out in terms of small additions here and there, fixing bugs and whatnot. Ultimate Team is obviously the, the cash cow for EA Sports and in most of their games, I would assume, obviously with Madden as well. But yeah, like there's there's certain small additions that come into it year by year by year. And it's pretty much FIFA. Like I can't really sort of say like it's the greatest game ever. I can't say it's like it's a trash heap. Like it runs really well on PS5, looks great. Like... Yeah, it, it's it's very much that that's that game that I could just sit down and, and play for a couple of hours just to, to kill a bit of time and, mm. and and pass the hours. But I think that's been something that I'd been looking forward to for a little while. I think after also when uh, Brendan did uh, mention Phantom Liberty, of course, the DLC for Cyberpunk 2077 uh, last week, I did finally get to spend a couple more hours on that. Um, still nowhere near scratching the surface on it, but I have finally met Idris Elba as Solomon Reed, and he's okay. just as just as handsome and as uh, as charming and debonair as as pretty much all of his all of his roles in, in and features in in most of his movies. So I'm, I feel like I'm finally getting to a point where it's like that's the this is the meat and potatoes of the the DLC so far. But I'm very much uh, enjoying what I've played so far. Yeah, no, that's cool. I um. I am very much looking forward to the day that I eventually get around to experiencing that. It's I've only heard good things. It's really, you know, for some people, cyberpunk was never down and out, but for a lot of people, this is like a huge comeback story of how they've kind of uh, salvaged this game. Um, I, I think like you talked about it a lot last week, but I don't know if you mentioned that you originally played it on the, the PS4, which was like the most broken version of the game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> I, I like somehow managed to get through my entire playthrough with a minimal amount of crashes. I think I only crashed maybe four or five times. I had people mm. upwards of like twenty on a on a baseline PS4. But yeah, like as I said last week, it plays superbly on a PS5 now. Looks great. Has no sort of graphical hiccups. Occasional sort of like glitches here and there of people walking where they're probably not supposed to be and and things not triggering when you need them to but yeah from from where it was to where it is now it's fantastic mm. i cannot recommend it enough if if you haven't 
played the game or, or even just like playing Phantom Liberty or even the sort of 2.0 update that they brought in to sort of completely rework the skill tree and then progression in that, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, that's cool. And just circling back a little bit while you were talking about EA Sports FC 24, I did a quick Google and can see that it's had a little bit of a drop in sales this year, uh, about 30% with physical sales. Do you think that there's any confusion about the branding with losing the FIFA license? Or do you think that the game itself is suffering from just, you know, the way that games differ from one year to the next? I mean, it's probably a, a combination. Like, I, I assume that more casual gamers would probably look at that and think it's something else. And I, I do agree. I think the FIFA, the FIFA name does bring that sort of reputation and that stature. Um, having said that, also, if it's only like physical sales being down, there's probably a whole bunch of people who are possibly buying it online through yeah. you know, the, the PlayStation Store or, or Xbox Store, but. Yeah, I, I definitely think the, the the marketing and the well, the marketing has been great because I've seen it everywhere. But the the name really is, is a big um, sticking point for them, and I'm sure it'll get back to its yeah, get back to sure. where it was once people realize, oh, it's just FIFA with a different name. But yeah, it definitely does make a difference. Yeah, it'll be especially interesting if some other publisher gets that FIFA license like a 2k or mm. you know visual concepts or someone someone else as a developer and they make a fifa game and whether we get kind of a almost like a social experiment to see like are people just that drawn to the name that they go and buy it because there's so many as you would know like casual gamers that play fifa every year uh like the way that they you know their, their Xbox or their PlayStation is essentially like a FIFA machine. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, you used to buy the arcade cabinets. <laughs> they might as well put a big FIFA sticker on, on their on their Xbox. <laughs> It'd be interesting because, like, obviously Konami had Pro Evo, which now became, I think, eFootball, which is, like, now free-to-play and it's, like, a weird eSports sort of thing. And, and the reception that had was terrible because it was buggy as all hell. But... It would be it would be interesting to to see. I was going to say FIFA. It would be interesting to see EA Sports FC have that competition because yeah, for a couple of years now, and like even when it was called Pro Evo Soccer, it was actually a good game. The problem was it just did not have the authenticity, the licenses, and sort of all the official clubs and whatnot. And people obviously enjoyed you know editing, making custom kits and whatnot. But I think there was just something to be said about having the the Premier League and the the World Cup, which they can't have now, obviously, in um, in EAFC because the World Cup is a FIFA thing, so they can't have that. Right. So they've, there's a, a bit of sort of picking and choosing of like official team names and, and sort of players and, and, and competitions to to see what becomes licensed and, and, and what isn't. But at the end of the day, I think authenticity is really going to be a big selling point for, for EAFC. Whoever's the first per person or developer to put like uh, Ryan Reynolds on the cover of their soccer game, that's probably the one that's going to sell like really well. You, you say that, but I think there was actually a cameo in last year's game where oh, okay. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney were like guest commentators. Whenever I think if you pick Rex, it's Wrexham. Wrexham playing specific teams. I think it was okay. Wrexham versus Liverpool. 
they have a cameo oh, wow. being like, oh, it's the big, the big famous team in red that everyone loves versus Liverpool. And it was like all this like, it, obviously a little corny because he can't really go yeah. to like PG with it. But yeah, there's there's some like interesting cameos in, in the game, which is, is really good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, speaking of sports, I guess we should get into what you've been watching. Yes, uh, Formula One, Drive to Survive, obviously the big cash cow for, I'd probably say the biggest sports or regular sports series on Netflix, it could be argued. Uh, yeah, I'm watching, I obviously, agree. like it's it's like last season's ones because they sort of, sort of bring it out every sort of season, but it's just so crazy to see how much of a stranglehold this has on not even like formula one obsessed fans but like this is you could argue this is probably one of been this would have been one of formula one's biggest like marketing successes because it's Mm. brought the sport to a whole new audience of people who don't even probably watch any other sport they're like oh but i love formula one i love the drama i love the the characters in the sport and and just seeing how seeing parts of the sport that you don't normally get to see anywhere else so i think it's it does such a a really good job of highlighting what a weird and wonderful and unique sort of motorsport it is like obviously a little bit of it is is hammed up for the audience and it's probably a little bit scripted and and makes people look good and makes people look bad but in terms of like a an all-access sort of like true series for for the sport it's perfect yeah i have noticed people who haven't been formula one fans talking about it more and more over the years and then like bleeding into other sports doing the same thing like there's a tennis series on netflix that i can't remember the name of but it's clearly going for the same thing where you follow the drama over a period of time for that inside look at what's happening with particular players so huge success for uh is it netflix isn't it yeah yes yes it is yeah and uh, on my side of things, I've been watching a series on Disney Plus called Mr. Mercedes, which, uh, if you don't know, is based on a Stephen King uh, series, novel series. Uh, it's a kind of a serial killer versus police officer trying to catch him kind of story. And Brendan actually put me onto that uh, as I go on a bit of a Stephen King deep dive lately and uh, we'll probably talk a little okay. bit more about that in upcoming weeks when we do our spooky halloween themed episode that <laughs> might even be next weekend i think yeah so yes it is so uh, that, stay yeah. tuned for that <laughs> yeah uh the other show i've been watching that i really have to highly recommend is jury duty which is on amazon prime video do you know anything about this show tilby I have no idea, and it's probably okay. great because you get to sell it to me right now. <laughs> I do, yeah. Have you heard of a show called The Joe Schmo Show, which existed in the early 2000s? Oh, the name rings a bell. I, I think it's like it was that, and then I think like The Man Show that was on like uh, comedy, okay. the comedy channel in like the Very early to mid 2000s. <laughs> yeah, The Man Show was a Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla talk show that was very uh it would get cancelled like straight away if it existed now because it was just very, yeah like, for sure <laughs> girl, every episode ended with girls jumping on trampolines um <laughs> so just 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 for a bit of the flavor of what the man show was all about but um the joe schmo show was a reality show kind of like a big brother meets survivor kind of like contest 
thing. And everyone on the show was an actor except for one guy uh, who thought it was real. And if you go back and look at it now, like Kristen Wiig was one of the actors on there and there was a bunch of other people that are probably recognizable since then. But as the show went on, they started to feel kind of like bad for what they were doing because he was such a good guy, such a good dude. And he was like getting really emotional and making connections with the different people. And it's, it was one of those early like viral kind of moments or memeable moments when he found out that it was all an act. His reaction to to being duped or whatever, um, you know, he did get a, like, you know, 50 grand or some kind of prize money for his time on the show, kind of to sweeten the pot, I guess. But Jury Duty is essentially a remix of that idea 20 years later. Um, I can hear some police sirens. They're coming to get you, Matt Tilby. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But um, just imagine a reality show about a, a Jury Duty in which everyone is an actor, and one of those actors is James Marsden. <laughs> Of, oh, uh, X, X, of X-Men and, and Sonic the Hedgehog fame. Um, so <laughs> he's playing himself in this show and it's all kind of improvised to a script, you know, um, from day to day. And they sequester this jury with this one guy who's a real citizen and thinks that they're making a documentary and they film them for like three or four weeks and put him in all these different situations that test his like character and how he's going to react and uh, put some really weird people in there. And some really like James Master is really hamming up his Hollywood elite kind of status to see how he's going to react to it. And he just really shines through this guy, Ronald, and he's celebrated as like the hero by the end of it, because he's just such an amazing person that, friends everyone he's like the mediator he's trying to like solve people's problems helping them in their personal life and it's just such a wholesome series that is laugh out loud funny constantly with the kind of crazy shenanigans that they put this guy in so if you like a bit of you know it's like part hidden camera prank comedy but also part reality show and watching how this guy reacts to all this crazy stuff um Definitely have to recommend it. It's been nominated for a bunch of awards. And the performers on this show, even though uh, it's scripted, the improv and the the authenticity of them, it just has you believing like these, I, I almost can't believe they're not real people because they're so committed to their bits and they're living out those roles for like literally weeks as they film this and live together. So yeah, definitely recommend Jury Duty. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, it sounds like a wild premise, I think. Like, is it something that, like, they bring a new person in for jury duty, like, every time? Or is it the same person who's been sort of, like, affected? Yeah, no, it's following, like, one court case. It's They think it's the first time that a camera has been allowed into the jury room to film everything for this documentary. But really, right. like, just the whole thing's fake. It's a fake judge. It's a fake bailiff, fake lawyers, fake defendants. And, you know this guy Ronald has to get everyone to vote the same way at the end to, to get them the verdict and they have to weigh out the evidence and there's like, you know, drama with the court case itself. So it actually has the, the fun and, and the, the interesting factor of like, I'm watching like a legal thing, but then, you know, it's not real. And 
they make it like so wacky like one of the lawyers is completely incompetent and everyone's kind of just looking at each other like is this guy for real so yeah it's it's um it's a, most people wouldn't know that Joe Schmo show from 20 years ago and I don't only know it because like it became kind of an internet thing that people occasionally reference so for all intents and purposes it feels like a really fresh concept and I think that uh, we might see more of this stuff in the future based on how successful it is. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to uh, give it a look. Yep. The last thing I'll mention before we get into the news this week is another book that I've started to read uh, by Walt Williams, who's probably one of the more uh, famous video game writers. It's called Significant Zero, and he is uh, the, the kind of narrative brain behind games like Spec Ops The Line, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, and um, he was involved in kind of background development work on Bioshock. So he's got a lot of cool stories about his experiences in game dev. And as a, a you know game writer myself, I'm really enjoying kind of uh, seeing how he's tried to bring heart and soul to a lot of the games he's worked on by having to make those kind of like fight these battles with publishers and developers that try to water down his vision for like the story, the heart and soul of a game, especially like something like Spec Ops The Line, which was so ahead of its time in the way it approached narrative. It's a bit of a blast from the past if you're not an older gamer. It's probably mid-2000s or late early 2000s. Um, but yeah, that's um, something that I'm really enjoying. And if you like reading books about games... I'm still early in, but I uh, can definitely recommend it. Interesting. Like I've not touched a, a book in a hot minute, which probably says a lot about me, but a book about games, like, yeah, you've, you've probably sort of piqued my interest there, but yeah, I definitely I was the to, same, uh, Tilby. I was very, like I read probably like two or three books a year usually, but I've just gone back to back to back, like read like four or five books in a row uh, about game development and different aspects of that, that world. So it's a, it's a nice thing to sit down, especially when you get these books from the library like I've been doing. It's, it's a nice thing to kind of sit down before bed and just to have a little read as your eyes get tired and you fall asleep. Probably better than me sitting on my phone. All doom the, all, yeah, doom scrolling for the last like hour and a half before I fall asleep and then wonder, why can't I go to bed? Like, why can't I fall asleep yeah. quickly <laughs> enough? Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. And then, uh, well, I guess it's time to get into what's been happening. News and notes from around the internet, presented by Audio-Technica. So we're talking about Netflix and Formula One Drive to Survive. Apparently, Netflix wants a piece of Grand Theft Auto. This is a story that was doing the rounds from uh, originally Wall Street Journal. Netflix has a bunch of games included in your subscription. A lot of people probably don't even realize, but they range from your typical addictive mobile snap games to the big name indies like 12 Minutes and Oxen Free 2. Netflix, according to the Wall Street Journal, has been in conversation with Take-Two to secure access to Rockstar's widely successful Grand Theft Auto franchise. We're still unclear whether they're lining up to port a previous release or they want to snag access to a new title, but it's no small thing to go straight to the top end of the AAA pantheon with a game like Grand Theft Auto. 
Uh, the details are limited enough that we can only really speculate. However, we know Netflix is actively expanding its gaming library, including adaptations of popular shows like Squid Game and Stranger Things. A key factor for Netflix is the lack of console or controller support and the limitations that that brings to gameplay experiences. But with deep enough pockets, it will be interesting, I think, to see which direction the streaming multimedia giant will take next. So, Tilby, do you think we should be paying attention to Netflix in the gaming space? Should Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo be concerned or not? Uh, I, well, it's tough to say because, like, as the the article clearly states, like, it's early days. We don't know what's going on with anything happening in Grand Theft Auto. And, and like it also says, Netflix is only so far at least been doing mobile games anything that is very sort of i guess close to a casual audience obviously games like oxenfree 2 and 12 minutes are a big step forward for netflix in terms of narrative and sort of Mm. just the quality of game in general obviously getting something like the grand theft auto series would be monumental in terms of bringing them up the chain and and showcasing how big they are as as a gaming i guess platform but Mm. It's hard to say. Like the last time we saw anything that was even remotely mobile based was the Grand Theft Auto like remaster trilogy, which was essentially like three mobile remasters put onto consoles, and that was absolutely terrible. So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with this? Like we still don't know anything about GTA Six, and that's probably going to be the big like thing for Rockstar for the next five six years. They've still. Yeah. You know, they're still squeezing the juice out of, yeah, at least they're still squeezing the juice out of GTA 5 and and how much online has been going for them. Like, I think think they just celebrated 10 years of the Mm -hmm. the game in general. So, which is crazy to think about. But I don't think we're going to see anything about this, at least for a little while. I would, I would assume that'd be something probably near the end of the year, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I guess there's a chance they could be looking at something more mobile friendly, like whether it is like a Chinatown Wars kind of uh, approach yeah, or that, that old school Grand Theft Auto that's the top-down perspective that could be quite fun mm. to play on your phone compared to, you know, bank heists and <laughs> all the shenanigans of uh, a GTA 5 or even a GTA 4. So, yeah... I, it's it's just I guess interesting that they're and it speaks to the size of Netflix that they're able to even generate a rumor like this that they're able to get in the room with with Take Two and talk like you know let's talk Grand Theft Auto what can we do together um, as for my question about whether there should be concerns from competitors we've seen many times tech giants try and get into the space of gaming without success amazon's probably the most recent example google stadia another example of of that kind of failing amazon it's probably the closest comparison to this because it's still very early days and it hasn't been all you know failure i don't i think i think they've had some small successes um and it's just the thing where like both amazon and netflix have the deep enough pockets that they can not be counted out at any point until they decide like, yeah, we're, we're done with this. Like we're, we're bored. Let's move on to something else. You just can't really write them off 
in a in a similar yeah. way that Microsoft, you know, they've had stumbles and they've had uh, false starts getting into the gaming space. But once they went big with Xbox, and even I guess through the the journey and trajectory of Xbox itself, there's been ups and downs too. But eventually, that money starts talking, and they put themselves in a spot where you can't definitely can't ignore them now with the amount of um, you know market share and influence they have with the just sheerly with the studios and and developers and publishers that they own so that's the the money talking and i wonder if we'll ever see like netflix has pulled big games in as far as indies go they pulled oxen free 2 as an exclusive like as, as part of a free uh offering that's you know that was the only place you could play it for free if you had a subscription already so that's where i played it even though i much would have rather do it on the playstation ecosystem with the controller and trophies and all that kind of thing but hey free is free or as close to free as you can get yeah definitely i think anything like anything paying for that sort of subscription like obviously with a game pass or a playstation plus it it almost tricks the customer into thinking oh we we don't have to pay anything for this when i guess in reality you are technically paying what ten dollars a month fifteen dollars a month i think even what 25 for the, the highest level of ps plus now but it's an interesting way to get people into your sort of platform. Mm. As you said, like I would, I feel the exact same way. I would much rather play a game like Oxen Free or 12 minutes on a, on a console yeah. and, and with yeah. a controller. And I feel much more comfortable with it instead of having to like, you know, cramp a phone into my fingers and try and swipe and do all this other stuff. But if it, if it means that they are looking at a sort of console sort of, option they are looking at controller support like we've always heard about how cloud gaming is becoming a thing and whether they're going to sort of integrate that because i know that new tvs are coming out from i think samsung that have that sort of you know cloud gaming xbox game pass sort of synchronicity like built into them so it would be interesting to see if they sort of go down that path and and sort of start to welcome more console based offerings into that sort of subscription but for now, like if it's purely just a mobile like offering, I'm I'm out completely. Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing to consider is that you know there's now so many streaming platforms that people feel like they have to sign up to, or that they want to sign up to for a particular show or whatever it is, and they're each getting more and more expensive as the cost of living also gets more and more high, like gets higher and higher. So at a certain point, I mean, even myself, I've dropped back from, I've cut one platform and then another one I've gone from like the the standard back to the basic that has ads in it just to try and save a bit of monthly cash. And I've seen people complaining about, you know, Netflix is now $200 a year or Disney's now $300 a year, whatever it is. And anything like this, that's kind of like a value added to what they're offering I can see them kind of thinking like, let's give them one less reason to ditch us or one extra reason to pick us over, you know, over here would be binge or Stan or or Amazon prime or Hulu in the U S. So, you know, maybe some parents have kids that are addicted to one of these games that they're playing on Netflix. Well, we can't cancel Netflix because then we're going to like have to have words with the kids, you know, that kind of thing. So it's um, I think it's smart is, is what I'm getting at. And we'll just have to wait and see whether it evolves from here. Uh, well, the next headline is titled Forget 
the goatee, there's a new challenger for the Wagoti, the worst game of the year. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Absolutely. We should hold a Wagoti every uh, every December, I think, from now on, especially if they're going to keep pumping out ones like this. So the latest King Kong game titled Skull Island Rise of Kong, developed by Iguana B, is being heralded as a contender for the worst game of 2023, as we see it making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Its broken state and poor gameplay have failed to capitalize on the IP's recent resurgence, particularly in the cinema space. And if you're getting a bit of deja vu, it's because we went through a very similar roller coaster of emotions earlier this year with The Lord of the Rings Golem, another poorly received licensed game full of accidental comedy that makes you wonder how exactly the developers managed to secure such a beloved franchise. Tilby, you've seen the screenshots, you've seen the videos. Why is this game so broken? Who, who do we need to blame? Should we be mad? Should we be sad? Should we care at all? I feel like this is a sleeper agent game. Like they're trying to get some sort of attention on the game by making it bad on purpose. Much like the that Kung Pao quote, oh, we trained him wrong as a joke. Um, <laughs> but You're not wrong. It's getting I, way more attention for being bad than it would if it was like slightly better is the thing. Like this absolutely. was on the front page of IGN. You know, they had the Spider-Man review as one of the thumbnails and next to it, was this one, and this one had the score three out of ten to sh- to incite people to click on it. And wh- how can it be three out of ten? How can it be so bad? The Spider Man one didn't have the rating on it because they want you to click on it to see what the rating is. It's interesting, just those little changes, those little differences between the two of them to show that here's a good game and here's a terrible game, and they're probably both going to get <laughs> you know a similar amount of clicks because that's the way that uh, people are, are kind of wired. Well, even then, like I saw streamers making time out of their schedule to play this game. Like mm-hmm. they know it's bad and they're like, oh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have ourselves a really good time playing this absolute trash heap. But yeah, like we even mentioned it in our sort of like games to come this week when we were, I was discussing them um, last week with Brendan on the yeah. podcast. Just flick through. We didn't give it a mention. We didn't know how bad it was going to be. And then obviously midweek when sort of the, the social media posts and videos and uh, photos of the game sort of came out and people were sort of showing more footage of the game. I think it's finally dawned on people like this game probably should not have seen the light of day. It, it, I don't know if in terms of who's to blame, it's tough to say because I feel like this along with Gollum, story, like yeah. exactly, we don't know the story. We don't know whether it was, you know, a board of directors saying this needs to go out now and something bad has happened. Like you saw the the video of the the JPEG of the mm-hmm. of the Raptor, like and, and just I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about this. Like some some game devs have probably just lost their job or they've been like yeah. they're, they're not going to have much luck finding a job after they're not gonna having put this, this in their, their They're not going to put this on their resume. <laughs> exactly. It, it, like, it what did you work good. on between 2020 and 2023? Uh, Cancelled project. Can't talk about it. Yeah, just say that you're under NDA and you'll be yeah. fine, I think. <laughs> but uh, in terms of bad games getting this much attention, uh, sure, I think because within the week of 
you know, Mario Wonder and Spider-Man 2. There's probably no other way that um, that it, it just sort of, they, they needed to find a way to get that attention. And mm. it, it's a shame that it happened in such a way that made these sort of cl- bad clicks. But it's a shame. And, and yeah, I don't see myself playing it even for fun. But, yeah, I'm not sure about you as well, Jono. <laughs> No, definitely not. Uh, I barely have time to play good games, let alone ones that are notoriously bad. Uh, I, th- I think that my my blame for this has to go to the publisher, like because they're ultimately the ones that are putting it out there, putting their stamp on it, saying we endorse this, we're selling this, we think that this is worth X amount of dollars. Sure that it's not worth whatever price it's up for. Uh, the publisher is Game Mill Entertainment, uh, whilst we're naming and shaming. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really the developers themselves that deserve the blame for this kind of thing. It's, you gotta be, you know, like if, if, you know, in my job, if I create something that's subpar and it gets put on social media or published online, the person that approved it you know, that had finals tick off and final rubber stamp to say, yep, good to go. They're the ones that will be answering questions from the higher ups, not not me. So it's the same with this, I think. The publisher may be the reason it was rushed out and done poorly, but they're certainly the reason that it's out there at all. And, and it, there's other instances I know where publishers they part ways with the developer when things aren't progressing the way they want to. Sorry, we're we're out, you know, we invested in this, but we can't continue to be part of something that we don't stand by. That's what they probably should have done if they weren't happy with the direction. But as we say, maybe it's all a ruse. Maybe this was all just a social experiment to see if they could announce a game with a big IP in July, see how many people would buy it in October. And perhaps it's already broken even. I don't know. Yeah, well, they may have done with the, uh, the the amount of bad publicity, which of course is any any publicity is good publicity. But mm. I want to know if anyone did any play testing on this or any QA work at all, because it doesn't seem like it. Genuinely, from looking at yeah. all of the videos and 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 photos of it, but like there are yeah, games made just... by one person that. Are- much, 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 much better than this. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you, you're nailing it there. Like this, I don't know how big this team is. Like, and I've, I don't think I've ever heard of Iguana B before. I probably know about them now and we'll eagerly await and see how. <laughs> on your radar. <laughs> yeah, it can only go up from here really. But yeah, yeah. There's, there's just so many things that have gone wrong for this game and hopefully it doesn't hurt the not only the company, but the whole like King Kong IP in general, because we didn't, didn't really get a, like the last King Kong game that I can remember that is really sort of talked about was the movie IP in what, 2005. So it's been a while for like King Kong to get like a decent game. And now they've just brought out this and it's not looking good. Yes. Well, perhaps the next Godzilla versus King Kong sequel or whatever will uh give us something to wash the bad taste out of our mouths but uh until then we'll have to wait and see uh hopefully this is the final word on activision blizzard 
I mean, we can at least promise that we won't talk about it next week. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. God, if something else happens, we have to talk about it because everyone else will. But yeah, who knows? Well, here we go. While Microsoft's acquisition of Activision, Activision Blizzard is finally a done deal, as covered on last week's Hungry Gamers, Xbox Game Pass subscribers will have to wait until sometime in 2024 to see the likes of Diablo 4 and Modern Warfare 3 making their way into the game library. In an interview on Xbox's YouTube channel this week, Phil Spencer, CEO, is he the CEO? I didn't write down his title, but Phil Spencer, you all know Phil Spencer. We all uh, know who Phil is, Big <laughs> Phil, yeah. <laughs> uh, Big Phil confirmed Activision Blizzard games would not be brought to Game Pass anytime soon, unlike the Bethesda back catalogue dump that took place after the Zenimax acquisition was finalised in 2021. The quote here, this acquisition is definitely long-term, so the fact that we're not hitting day one with a bunch of games dropping into Game Pass is a little bit of a downer, but I'm very excited about the future, and I just want to be straight with people that that's where we are. Also making headlines this week, Phil Spencer outlined there are currently no plans to make Call of Duty exclusive to Microsoft. The quote here, we have no goal of somehow trying to use Call of Duty to get you to buy an Xbox console. This wasn't a surprise to me due to the insanely high volume of sales that take place within the PlayStation ecosystem, particularly if Microsoft ends up including the series as a free download included with a Game Pass subscription. So surprising, refreshing, how do you see this kind of uh, reveal from Phil Spencer this week? If anything, I think it's frustrating because I'm sick of hearing about it. But I think it's it's definitely not at all surprising. I think yeah. we, we're not privy to the sort of business side of, of these sorts of takeovers. And I would assume there'd be a fair amount of back and forth contracts and deals and, and certain things that both Activision Blizzard and Microsoft have to honor in terms of getting these games onto consoles and with a lot of the Activision Blizzard King titles, of course, King, yeah, their mobile sort of division, a lot of these games would have been sort of multi-console, would have been on PlayStation and probably Switch as well. So having to sort of deal with the exclusivity of that and sort of sort all that out and ensure that this comes out at this time and, and makes sure that this is available, it would always take some time. I knew that it was, it was going to happen. Like it's it was very surprising that the Zenimax acquisition meant that they were just going to throw Blizzard onto Game Pass day one. But I think because Activision Blizzard has some pretty chunky titles in its mix, like obviously the the Call of Duty games, um, we'll mention that in a sec, but like Call of Duty, uh, Diablo, Overwatch, even probably even the Spider-Man and who knows, the Tony Hawk games maybe, fingers crossed <laughs> that there's a three and four coming soon, please. But... It was always going to take time. It was definitely not a, a surprise for me. I think in terms of the Call of Duty exclusivity to Microsoft, that was apparently, well, rumor was that that was the big sort of sticking point for why deals were taking its time. And I appreciate Big Phil being so open about it, being like, this is not something that we were, you know, trying to do in the hopes of, you know, winning the console war. But mm. it's just, I guess for them, it's probably more just the the nest egg of being like, hey, we've got we've got Call of Duty here in our mix now. We can do something with it, not to do something immediately long term and, and sort of, you know, win the battle but possibly lose the war. So it's 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 
good for them, I guess, in the long run. No, I, I agree. Like Call of Duty, lack of exclusivity didn't surprise me, as I said before. I thought I did think that they would have something, even if it's older games, to to pump onto Game Pass as kind of that like celebration of finally closing the deal. Um, as Phil said in the interview, like yeah, there'll be people who are disappointed about that. Maybe because it went so long, it was complicated, and they weren't able to have that ready straight away. But you know, early next year, we can expect some of that stuff to to make its way over. It sounds like, and um, yeah, I I quite like the approach to talking about Call of Duty as, um, you know, not necessarily a technique to get people to buy consoles. I'm really sick of people acting like the CEOs of these companies are just like normal, either good people or bad people. And, oh, like, he's such a good dude. Like, he personally doesn't want to take this away from PlayStation. No, it's just a smart business move because that's how they're going to probably bankroll or or make some of their money back from this massive purchase. And PlayStation did the same thing with Bungie. They are saying it's going to keep being multi-platform because that's what makes sense for them. Starfield... Yeah, we are going to use Starfield to get people onto Game Pass and to get people to buy an Xbox. Um, you know, I bought an Xbox partly because of the Zenimax acquisition and it worked and I'm happy about it. But uh, yeah, I'm really tired of like, oh, well, if PlayStation bought uh, ABK, then they'd be making these. Ex- no, it doesn't really work like that. They're just doing what makes sense for their company. And if you look at and listen to what they're actually saying, like, pretty obvious that there's techniques behind what goes exclusive what gets shared and um i'm glad that it's not just a blanket like everything that we buy is going to be exclusive um and you know exclusivity i think is good for um the industry in some instances it's 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 not good in some instances but it probably keeps things competitive and healthy uh, to some degree so yeah it makes sense that um there will be that carrot on the stick of Game Pass offering Diablo 4 in February or whatever it is uh, if you haven't already played it. But um, making sure that something as huge as Call of Duty that sells way more copies traditionally on the PlayStation than anywhere else, of course you're not going to throw that away. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's exclusivity in, in moderation and I think having that sort of competitive nature for the gaming console wars, however you want to skew it, like it's great. But I think at the end of the day, we're all gamers. And I think we all benefit from having a a franchise and an IP as big as Call of Duty across as many consoles as possible. They'll probably work in a way to do crossplay. They probably already have. I don't know. I haven't touched the multiplayer of a Call of Duty game in quite a while. Like don't at me, people who are listening. But it it's just it just makes sense. Like obviously, like just being a a, a smart, savvy financial business decision yeah. for them to have their cash cow like Call of Duty in their midst, and it just means that the downside of it obviously is just that we're going to have more more of these sort of IP acquisitions and and company acquisitions in the future until we get some like I said last week, one big amorphous blob <laughs> of just gaming franchises in one massive super franchise and it's not going to be great but for now i i can certainly see both sides of it okay and as i said final word on the acquisition 
for at least a couple of weeks. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Tilby, you're going to close out the news with more of a fun, lighthearted romp. Yeah, I mean, I saw this a couple of days ago and I was a little bit surprised. But uh, yes, of course, we all know of Airbud. And we all know we that uh, there ain't no rule that, that says a, a dog can't play basketball. And apparently there ain't no rule, according to PC Gamer, that a dog can't speed run. And that is exactly what is happening. Uh, because as reported by PC Gamer, a Shiba Inu named Peanut Butter is going to do an unassisted run of the 1985 NES platformer Gyromite at the upcoming AGDQ speedrunning event. Uh, this should be, I believe, early next year for the next uh, AGDQ, which is the Awesome Games Done Quick uh, yeah. event, basically the biggest like, speedrunning event in the US, possibly the world. But um, before you write this off as fake news, Peanut Butter will be the companion of streamer and speedrunner JSR, who will also be performing at AGDQ 2024 on a Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse run. This will be the first time a dog has appeared at an AGDQ speedrun. That's the weirdest sentence I've yes. said all day. <laughs> but it's not Peanut Butter's first rodeo. He previously managed a 25-minute, 29-second run of Gyromite in July, directed by prompts from JSR telling Peanut Butter which comp- control pads to press. This is wild. All it inputs is. were made by the dog with, quote, no assistance, auto-fire, macros, or save states used. Jono, I think there was a video in this article showcasing the original run from Peanut Butter. Oh. We're, we're, losing, we're losing control. Games are going wild. We've got dogs playing games. It's insanity. I don't know what's going on anymore, but... I've never seen this game before either. Gyromite is not a or Gyromite is not a game that I have ever no. heard of and really sort of looked at. But just the idea of a dog speedrunning a game is very cool. But it is also very much like imagine if you were the guy who applied to be a speedrunner at AGDQ and you were rejected <laughs> in the place of a dog. Like, sorry, we're all full. Uh, peanut butter took the last spot. <laughs> Who? <laughs> how how embarrassed would you be? Like, <laughs> so I'm I looking. Don't, at, I'm looking at some screenshots of this game, which is an NES, you know, platformer. I've honestly never heard of it, uh, but it looks like a, you know, no enemies to be reacting to, like you would in Mario or something. It's very much like jump over this gap or or jump up onto this platform to get through the. The particular screen so as unbelievable as it is i guess we have to believe that it's possible um you've already made the airbud reference there's nothing else i can really <laughs> add to this story except that yep gameplay and dog i guess this is you know maybe X- xbox should get this this dog onto their marketing with the whole gaming is for everyone uh tagline <laughs> even that's dogs. perfect <laughs> Even dogs, yeah. I, I, I couldn't think I of a better a, way to... <laughs> I want to see a sheepdog playing like Tekken or something. <laughs> there's got yeah, to be smarter any, uh... There's got to be smarter breeds than this one. I'm sure we can train like a, a sheepdog or a, a border collie to, to play Stardew Valley or something. Yes, and uh, uh, if you've got any recommendations for uh, other games for <laughs> various dog breeds to be playing, please send them to us at WeAre8Bit. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all from me. Very good. Thanks for for bringing that one, Tilby. And next, 
Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. All right, Matthew, are you ready to play 20 questions with me? I can try my best, Jono. <laughs> okay. So you, you now have 20 questions to guess the name of the video game that I'm uh, currently looking at on Wikipedia in front of me. Oh, okay. I can only answer yes or no questions. Okay. Your time starts now. Is the game made before the year 2000? That is a very good opening question. Yes, it is. Is the game either on an N64 or PS1? It is not. Oh, wait. Let me just double check this. <laughs> no. Okay. Now you've confused me. <laughs> is the game... Uh, I guess... Is the game part of like a, a best-selling franchise is it like a, a particularly popular game mm. let me just I, I believe the answer is yes i'm just going to double check uh i've stopped him early on listeners i didn't expect to be doing this <laughs> to find best-selling like in the millions or like yeah talking? millions yeah it's it's sold millions yeah. uh, is it a game where you control a single character no how many questions are we on? That's four. That was four. Okay. Is the game a real-time strategy game? Yes. <laughs> what the heck? That was a good guess. <laughs> Can Is you see my screen? The... No, I can't. <laughs> I, it's completely blank, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Is the game in the Command & Conquer series? No. Uh, ooh, now I'm. I've got a couple of ideas, but this is starting to stump me a little. Oh, jeez. Is it in the Age of Empires series? It is in the Age of Empires series. <laughs> I'm on the home stretch already. Um. <laughs> And we're, I'm I mean, introducing a rule now where if you guess the game, that's your final guess. So you have to really, you can't just be like, is it this game? Is it this game? Is it this game? Oh, man. So you want to narrow it down before you guess the game. Does the game have a cheat where you can <laughs> spawn uh, dodge vipers? Uh, yes, I was just saying, I think so. yes. I think that the answer is yes. <laughs> What's the what would be the the, the cheat code to spawn the the, the dodge viper? I, I can't remember the actual cheat code, but I is, remember is it playing big, it when is I was it little. Big Daddy. I think it is Big Daddy. Yes, good good memory. The, the answer is yes. Okay. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna just go out on a limb here um, mm. and and make this my my guess. Going for the is kill shot. The, yeah, I'm gonna go for the kill shot. I'll probably miss it. Is it the original Age of Empires? It is. Congratulations, Age of Empires. Uh, eight guesses, and you probably could have got it in seven if I hadn't um, added that rule. Hadn't so, rigged it from the start. Yeah. So well done. I think um, Brendan is the other uh, competitor in this game so far, and he got his in 
maybe 16 or 17, if I remember correctly. So you've set a new record. Well done. It's just that, uh, that, that big old brain of mine that I've got. But uh, what, what made I, you go straight for real-time strategy? Like that wouldn't have been the first genre that I went for. My My sort of idea was like, it's a PC heavy game. Well, yeah, PC kind of helped out, but I think mm. the big one was: Are we controlling like a, a single player? Is it like a character-based uh, yeah, yeah, game? Yeah, and sure. when you said no, I was like, there aren't many too many genres where you're controlling multiple mm. people at once. And I was like, could have been a sports game. Time. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah, that's not a bad bad uh, so, shout. But so when you when you said is it on PS one or sixty four, I had to check because it was on PS two. Um, it's been on so many platforms. Classic OS, really? Windows Mobile, PlayStation 2, OS X, N-Gage, Nintendo DS, <laughs> Windows <N-Gage>. Phone, <laughs> Android, iOS, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X slash S. So um, publisher is Xbox Game Studios, which didn't exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I, I we're think now that... Cause they, series. Yeah, they did the the fourth one or the one that came out not too long ago. But yeah, I guess in that question, like I probably should have said the the console that it was most associated with, I guess. And obviously mm. that is is PC. Oh, actually, I was looking at the page for the series and uh, now that I click on the specific game, it was only on Windows Mobile, Mac and PC. So don't write to me and tell me that it never appeared on the PS2 or the N-Gage. <laughs> <laughs> That must have Man, been I'm running, your, I'm running your own game better than you are. <laughs> Got to apologize. I'll, I'll be more organized. Uh, well, you'll be all, more organized next week because you'll be the one uh, putting me through the ringer. Yes, I will be. I'll be uh, devising as some sort of devilishly spooky game or something completely normal. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, you'll have to wait and see next week, gamers. Yeah. The week that's yet to come presented by Dash Water. I don't have a Dash Water with me because I'm not Brendan, but I do have a tall cup of water with a lemon that I squeezed into it from my lemon tree, which isn't quite dash water, but it is flavored nonetheless. That's a really um, strong promo for dash water you've done there. Uh, they'll absolutely love that. It's Jono water. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not dash water. <laughs> Shout out to not dash, our friend at uh, at PAX. What a, what a champion he was. This... <laughs> This week, uh, we are looking at the release of, I'm assuming more than hentai, Brendan's anime appreciation podcast is dropping, probably, because he's very uh, organized and recorded many episodes <laughs> in advance, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's one dropping. I haven't actually checked with him. If in the he's, films- uh, Well, he's got he's got two out, I should point out. He, he put out uh, a couple just uh, either just before or after he left- on his uh, his Euro trip, mm, but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely go and check him out. Sure, there you go. Uh, in the film space, we have Beyond Utopia, Freelance, which is a John Cena uh, joint, and Five Nights at Freddy's opening on October the twenty seventh. Which you know, there's been some better video game movies happening lately. This one. Could have potential to be like you know the highest grossing uh, video game movie ever, just based on like the success of that game and how it could translate to a movie. I don't know what the early reviews are saying, but this is a really popular game, so I could see it becoming a really popular movie, even if it's not like 
winning any Oscars. It's a very popular game and the law behind it is all really interesting. I definitely disagree with you saying it's going to become, it could possibly become the most highest grossing video game movie of all time because it just does not have the accessibility of like the Super Mario movie that literally came out this year. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of forgot about the kids' versions. I was thinking like Assassin's Creed and uh, Mortal Kombat okay. <laughs> and the Monster Hunter movie and the Resident Evil movie. But yeah, Super Bro, Super Mario Bros, Detective Pikachu, Warcraft, they're the top three. Then you've got Rampage. Oh my God. And then you've got Uncharted and then Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Angry Birds, Prince of Persia more Sonic the Hedgehog and Resident Evil final chapter rounding out the top 10. So maybe it's an outside chance to break the top 10, but we'll see. I I can see it being a movie that like, even though it's kind of horror ish, I can still see like teenagers wanting to go along and thinking it's like cool and edgy to (laughs) to sneak in and see this kind of movie. Uh, in the gaming space, there's a, f- a few big names dropping. We've got City Skylines 2 on October 24, Cry Machina, Just Dance 2024 edition, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1 on October 24, Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord comes to PSVR 2 on October 26th, Maniko's at Night Market, and... Uh, Seven days from as of recording this, we have Alan Wake 2 on October the 27th. Very keen for some Alan Wake 2. Hopefully I can finish Spider-Man by then. Going to be going through it like a fair bit, I think, if you're going to, you know, get to Alan Wake 2 in in a week's time. But uh... (laughs) yeah, it's it's not the Spider-Man's not wearing it out. It's welcome, I don't think, in by any means maybe it's um you know platinuming it might take an extra few days but i think that i'll be close to finishing the story by then um what's your pick of this bunch i like i mean alan wake 2 i'm not a big sort of horror person i'll definitely give it a a bit of a a look but i don't think i'll be going too Mm. deep into it i am definitely keen to uh just dance you know me brendan i'm a i'm a fiend for the dance floor (laughs) but did you call me brendan (laughs) Yes, I did. Look, I've got it on the brain. Come back, Brendan. Hey, we miss I'm, you. I'm like kind of like uh, I feel kind of flattered. <laughs> Come home. All is forgiven. <laughs> well, look, yeah, Jono. Uh, well, I said that because I got so confused that uh, you ha- okay. you hadn't said anything about the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. And we all know how much you love uh, the escapades of one solid snake throughout the yeah. years. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely. I wouldn't say like I'm like really excited to play it because it's old games and old games are old. Um, and I we still have access to two out of three of these games relatively recently. But yeah, it really is that uh, Metal Gear Solid original that's stranded on the PS1 and Vita that I'm excited to see how it runs, what they've done with it, how it looks. Um what yeah? What differences it has to the original now that it's being brought to a modern console? What's the trophy list like? I don't. You know, it's probably out there already, but um, it's something that it's just way too busy right now to to pick up something like this and play it straight away. I think with everything else going on, but uh, for the Metal Gear heads out there like me, it's a it's another positive step towards. Uh, getting hopefully Metal Gear Solid 4 onto modern consoles 
think that's kind of the where the volume one kicks in. It's like we're going to get volume two at some point. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. But that brings us to the end of our episode. Matt Tilby, is there anything you want to say to the lovely listeners before we uh, shut things down? Yes, I'd like to say please don't uh, crucify me for calling John O'Brendan. Um <clears throat> But of course, yes. I'm, I'm going to be the only person who cares about that. No one else, no one else cares. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan might as well. He's, he's like, why are you taking yeah, my identity? But uh, yes, of course, <laughs> um, if you missed it last week, there is a, a new episode of my podcast, One Perfect Game, uh, that I did at PAX Australia uh, a couple of weeks back with uh, screenwriter, uh, improv comedian Lena Moon. It was an absolute blast. Um, you should all go check that one out. But um, yeah, you can uh, catch me on all them socials at It's Tilby. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, go listen to Tilby's podcast if you haven't already. Uh, you can catch me at Jono himself. You can give Brendan some love and well wishes and I miss yous at uh, Brendan8bit. Uh, tell, tell him that we're keeping the ship afloat. But for now, uh, dear listeners, until next week, much love. And stay hungry. We'll see you around.